All right. Well, this morning is our annual State of the Church Address. So it's kind of an unusual uh, time each year that we just take a step back as a church and we look at where we are, where we've been over the last year, uh, where we're going in the coming year, kind of set out some uh, goals and agenda for us, uh, share with you a little bit about um, what's going on in the church, and then kind of get a unified vision uh, about where we're headed this year. So as we um, think about that, I uh, just want to pause for a moment and ask for God's help, and then we'll talk to you about uh, the state of the church. Father, we do thank you for our time together. We thank you for what you are doing in our church. We thank you, Lord, for the way in which you have worked and continue to work. Uh, we pray that even in this coming year, we dedicate it to you. We desire to please you with what we do, what we say, and help us, Lord, <clears throat> to be uh, encouraged in the way in which you are working uh, among us. We pray these things in your Son's precious name. Amen. Well, you see our new banners up here. We're actually going to talk a little bit about that this morning, but then next week we're going to get into the text of Scripture that kind of undergirds our theme for the year. Um, so we're going to be talking about that this morning. But before we do that, I want to just talk a little bit about where we are as a church. Uh, we've heard me say before, numbers don't mean everything, right? Sometimes um, as, as uh, churches, we can get caught up with the numbers game, counting nickels and noses, and, and think that somehow that is sufficient to tell us uh, what, we, what we need to know, or whether we're accomplishing the mission. But in reality, what's important is the mission. It's not the numbers. It's not the, the statistics. But by the same token, numbers don't mean everything, but they do mean something. Right? If you go to the doctor, and I use this illustration probably every year, if you go to the doctor, you talk to them about an issue, they're going to take a bunch of vital signs. And so these are things that, that point to an area of concern or something that needs to be addressed. Um, so we do track uh, important numbers, vital signs. I've, I've heard of churches that just kind of go to the other extreme. They're like, well, we don't count anything. Well, I'll bet you count the offering. Right, because the bank actually wants to know a number, not well. We got you know enough, um, right? But uh, the uh, the fact is that we we do track some of these things. Um, what are the things we track? Well, we track membership. Uh, we are yeah, ever so slightly down from membership a year ago at this time, um, only by by two. So really, that's pretty a pretty steady number. Our attendance is actually pretty well steady too. Now we've got a red arrow there. Don't let that concern you. I think it's a like a 1.4 decrease in average attendance uh, last year versus this year. I mean, that would be 18 compared to 19. All of these are um, 19 uh, numbers. But So holding pretty steady on, on attendance. Uh, the number of households that we have as far as that are regularly engaged in the church uh, is the same as last year, is 16. Um, and our giving is up significantly um, we'll talk more about that here in a few minutes, but our average monthly offering is up uh, significantly uh, during the course of 2019. So those are just kind of some numbers if you're a numbers geek and you like to know uh, the, the, the numbers. Um, I always think this is a fun thing to do every year is to look at where folks are coming from. So this, the red star is the you are here dot, and the blue star is the center of gravity, the the geographic average of where everybody uh, is driving from. Oh, I meant there's supposed to be an arrow there to point to the regions beyond up in Gerald. Sorry, I just cropped it to be, you know. 
so I didn't have to do the whole state of Texas or anything like that. So, um, but that's, uh, that kind of gives you an idea. So if we were located, center, the most centrally located, we would be at the intersection of, it looks like, Mays, no, A.W. Grimes and whatever that is. Well, that's Old Settlers up there. I don't know what that is there. But, but yeah, Bowman. That would be Bowman. So anyway, that's kind of our geographic center point. Um, for where everybody travels from. So I already alluded to the fact that our attendance is, is pretty steady. This is uh, pretty much over the life of the church. We don't really put 2011 numbers in there because they just everything was wacky our first year. Uh, but this is kind of how the, the attendance uh, has gone. So this year at a 35.5 uh, attendance, slightly down. Uh, I guess my math was wrong. My, my recollection was wrong, but slightly down from, from 2018. Um, but but pretty holding pretty steady, and as you can see over the life of the church, we have we've hovered right around that forty mark um, for a long time. So that's kind of how how things look on the attendance front. Um, this is a zoom in of this year. The green dots are the monthly average, and the blue line is the week by week. Um, attendance. So, and then again, average of 35.5. The biggest uh, step forward this year, the biggest uh, gain this year was in the giving, um, and that's what it looks like over the course of the year uh, with an average monthly. I don't recall exactly what our average was last year. I think it was in the 5,500 range, so our monthly average has gone up significantly as far as, as far as giving goes. We always ask ourselves, okay, as we're tracking numbers and we're tracking things that are important, the, you know, the attendance doesn't necessarily reflect discipleship. So if you want to track vital signs that are linked to our core mission of, of producing disciples, uh, the question is, what does a disciple look like? Now, we've got to be careful, right? Because, because we can... We can do the external conformity stuff, right, without a heart behind it, and that's just, that's just legalism. So when we're tracking, you know, statistics that are related to discipleship, we're in this kind of this dangerous territory because we don't want to be guilty of saying, well, I do this and I do this and I do this, ergo I am a disciple of Jesus, right? But what we do want to do is say, well, being a disciple of Jesus puts certain expectations on us. So what are some things that we can measure that are an outgrowth of being a disciple of Jesus? And, and that gives us an ability to kind of take a temperature uh, of our congregation. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about some more vital signs. Um, uh, disciples give to the work of Christ. And so uh, if we take our family units that are engaged in North Hills and we uh, put that in a ratio with the number of family units that are giving, uh, we come out to about 85%. Those that have a recurring ministry, that is, uh, you know, a weekly or every few weeks, a a ministry that they're committed to doing on an ongoing basis um, that are are members of North Hills, uh, we're about two-thirds actively serving adults that are engaged in recurring ministry in North Hills. And then we also sit down and look through, okay, who do we know that are in, this is the hardest one to track because it really boils down to what conversations have you had um, with others in the church about, 
redemptive relationships. Uh, but many of you we know are, are having conversations with people at work. You have someone, if I, if I went to you and said, who are you engaged in a redemptive relationship, you'd be able to tell me someone. So as best as we can measure that, uh, we think that around 55% uh, of our church membership are engaged in redemptive relationships. So those are some things that are important. Um, and actually, all of those numbers are, are pretty healthy um, as we look over the history of the church. Uh, obviously, uh, a, you know, two of those in particular have significant room for improvement. But those are things that disciples are doing, right? They're engaging others. Uh, they're having conversations about the gospel. Um, they're serving one another in the local church on a, on a regular basis. So as we think about um, the year 2019, we look back to the things that God has done here. Um, before I put any of my thoughts, my you know, victories and wins from 2019, do you, any of you have things that you reflect on uh, the church over this last year and you think of as a something to celebrate for the year 2019? Thoughts? Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Good. Yes. And you were commenting to me a couple of weeks ago about your appreciation for those in the church. Yes. If it hadn't been for the members of this church, getting me to and from doctor's appointments, hospitals, all that stuff, and the food and the prayers, mm -hmm. the prayers in particular, mm -hmm. I feel very strongly that the prayers have been answered mm -hmm. in a lot of respects. Good. So we, we, we don't... We don't choose hardship, right? <laughs> we don't say, Lord, you know, I want to sign up for hardship. But when we do, it gives opportunity for the body of Christ uh, to rally around. And so that's definitely a victory, a win, as we've had opportunity as a church uh, to come around, Pat, and, and thank you to many of you that were involved uh, in that. So that's definitely something to celebrate. Good. Anything else that you think of as you think of the church life? Very good. Our first opportunity to have Bible school in our own, in our own space. Excellent. Yes, sir. Excellent. Yeah. So we've we've sent our first to Bible college from our church. Right. That's a pretty cool thing. Um, so yeah, praise the Lord for that. That's definitely. I appreciate you mentioning that. That's one that flashed through my mind, but did, did somehow didn't make it to my list. So that's. I appreciate. That's good. That's good. Yes. Very good, very good. Yeah, I think that children's wing is, is a huge, that, that was my number one. <laughs> yeah, huge uh, addition to our church ministry. And then as we've been able to clear out this room, um, doesn't it look great out in the lobby? Or you're, you're done now, right? Are you still tweaking or are you done? Okay, it looks great out there and it was, it was neat. I was sitting in here doing some work um, the other day and the folks from the yoga studio came down and they were asking me, well, where did you guys get that? Where do you guys, I, I don't have any idea. I don't have anything to do with any of it. Like, but I'll ask. I mean, um, so yeah, it looks nice in there. It's a nice, comfortable place. And form follows function, right? Do you realize that we even have a philosophy 
about the way the furniture is set up. I know, Pastor V has a philosophy about everything. Right? We, want, we want places that people can gather for discipleship, one-on-one, right? So does that lobby look like that? That's exactly what we're, what we're trying to do. So. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a double blessing, right? Because we've been able to have a space that's dedicated for the children and then also be able to use this for fellowship, discipleship, gathering. So thank you, many, many thanks to Julie for her, her work on that. I know Pastor Dan has... Uh, done some of the other work on it too. So, yes. What else? Anything else that comes to mind? Discipleship hours. Yes. Tell me more. I mean, I just I find it a great encouragement just micro, just talking amongst friends, laying with each other, and just God face to reach. We can about it's been a great blessing for the church. Excellent. I think from a spiritual, from a ministry standpoint, that has probably been the biggest improvement. Um, this year. I am hearing so many wonderful things about what's going on in your discipleship groups and, and how much you're teaching your discipleship leaders. <laughs> um, and uh, now really, it, it's, it is, it's a, it's a synergy, right? You, you learn, you teach, you encourage. And so I've, I've thought that's been uh, wonderful. And then we as pastors and deacons have gathered and talked about those, those times. I'm very encouraged by what's happening in, in those. All right, anything else before I show you mine? I've been encouraged to talk to many of you about the opportunities that you're having to have gospel conversations uh, with people in your sphere of influence, uh, what we call redemptive relationships. So many of you are telling us about neighbors and friends and coworkers that you are having conversations with, and I am so encouraged to hear that. I remember when we first started as a church, you know, we wanted to set the tone for uh, reaching the lost, we wanted to set the tone for uh, having these redemptive relationships. And there's times that I would say, um, so tell us about redemptive relationships in your life. Crickets. Right? <laughs> I remember earlier this year on a Wednesday night, I, sa- I said, you know, something along that same line. So tell us about the redemptive relationships. In your-. And we went on for like an hour of, peop- of you just sharing with one another how God was using you to have conversations about the gospel. That I cannot tell you how much that encourages my heart and how much it should encourage you. Um, there, are, there are churches two and three times our size that probably don't have as many conversations throughout the week um, as, as what you folks are having. And I am encouraged by that, and I want to encourage you in that, in that pursuit to, to share the gospel with others. So evangelistic opportunities is something that I think has been a big win for us this year. Um, Doug mentioned this already, the discipleship groups. I am just hearing so much um, richly coming from, from those groups. And so um, some, you know, we've got, we've got some, some small, what we call discipleship groups. Um, Tracy and Chelsea are meeting. And then we've got these slightly larger but still small uh, discipleship groups that are meeting in here. Uh, as well as our children's ministries going on during Discipleship Hour. And it's just so exciting uh, to be able to walk around and to listen to you talk and to have conversations with you. And then as we have visited with um, your, your leaders of these groups and, and say, how's it going? How can we encourage you just to hear the wonderful things that are coming? I, I really appreciate that you're, you're praying together, uh, that you are encouraging one another in the Word. Uh, we teach each other so much. I think, I think a lot of times in our Western mentality, 
we have this notion that, you know, the teaching is what happens on Sunday morning, you know, while the preacher's up here. Well, that is important, no doubt, right? God has chosen that as a, as a vehicle for the proclamation of his truth. But the fact is that the, the New Testament church is edifying one another all the time. And uh, I, was, I heard not, not many months ago the second-hand testimony, so this was, this was someone who had told an American pastor who then related to us, um, about what, what they say in, in persecuted countries, um, about they could go to jail at any, the pastor, that is to say, could go to jail at any time. But those churches are set up in such a way that they wouldn't miss a beat. I mean, they would just keep right on trucking, right? Because they are, they are encouraging one another. They are teaching one another. They are helping one another in their study of the Word. And I'd like to think that if I went to jail or, or I got run over by a bus or something happened to me, you know what? North Hills would just keep right on cruising because the saints here are teaching one another. And I'm really encouraged by what I'm hearing from the discipleship groups, and we intend to kind of double down on that this year, really, to, to move forward with that and continue to, to strengthen that. Uh, Mother's Day was our second time that we had done the outreach with the pictures, and uh, our high attendance, no surprise, for the year was uh, near 60, uh, was on that day that we had the Mother's Day outreach, and uh, that was a big a big win for the year. And then on the financial front, we ended the year in the black. Uh, we'll, tonight, we'll have our gathering. We'll do a singspiration dinner on the grounds and then do a, a short meeting so you'll get the full report for the end of the year. But, but ended the year uh, over 10000 in the black with a $20,000 cash. Um, so you'll see all the details on that. But anyway, to end the year in the black is a good thing, especially when it's one, two, three, four, five, five digits. almost said six digits. I'm like, that would have been really good. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're grateful for how the Lord has provided financially. And, and again, it's not about the money. Uh, it's about the opportunity for ministry um, and uh, God using us in that way. So as I thought about the state of the church, I wrestled with a number of different words. And um, my wife actually asked me this morning, what, what's your word? I said, I, I haven't totally settled on that yet, <laughs> actually. Um, so I was still even mulling it over this morning. And um, I, I, I wanted, I, I thought about the word grounded, because to me that, that describes, our, our church has a really good foundation. Uh, there's a vitality here, there's a life here, there is a, um, an embracing of the philosophy that we've seen over the last couple of years that has really grown. And so, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like there's a foundation here, but, but that wasn't forward-thinking enough for me. So I chose a word that was a little more forward-thinking, and that is, we are prepared, right? Uh, you know, you look at this kind of, basically, a, that, that chart we looked at a few minutes ago that was, you know, we're right about 40, right, where we've been for a number of years. But I really, I really believe that we are poised for, we are prepared for um, what God is going to do in the future, and that the growth that we will have in the future will be, will be healthy growth. So because of the spiritual vitality, because of the, the desire for evangelism that, that I've already mentioned, um, the, the desire to, to make disciples, the, the evidence we see of people maturing 
in Christ at, at, at North Hills, because of all of those things, I think we have the potential for, for great things ahead. And so let's just take a moment to think forward towards the year 2020 and to ask for God's blessing and help as we think about uh, what we're going to be doing in this, in this year ahead. Well, I've already alluded to it, but our discipleship groups are, are doing very well. Um, and uh, our intent is to keep those small. So just so you know, as we grow, the groups, will not prob- the groups probably will not grow. The groups will be split, right? Uh, it's growth through division, right? So as we have people that come in who um, need to be discipled, who need to be evangelized, we're going we're gonna to steal people away. And we're going to say, all right, you're, you're, you're ready to disciple this person. Why don't you go through uh, a discipleship, uh, an evangelistic Bible study, a discipleship Bible study uh, with this person? The idea is that it, you know, on a Sunday morning one day, you'll walk into this building and there will be a dozen groups of two, three, four people scattered all throughout the building who are studying the Bible together, who are praying together, who are investing in one another's lives. Um, This is the way we do discipleship. It's this one-on-one, what we call life-touching life discipleship. And for the church to be healthy on the macro level, there has to be this organic, cellular-level growth uh, taking place, and that is spiritual growth um, for the body to be healthy. So that's one of the things that we're going to continue to advance, uh, to progress. So... Um, the Bible study that meets in this corner, you guys need to come up with a name now. There's the Bible study in this corner, right? Um, is going to be starting James today. Did you start James today? Uh, studying the book of James. Um, Ryan's group over the meets over here is continuing to truck through the foundations um, Bible study. So anyway, some good things happening, and uh, we want to continue those things forward and uh, really advance those discipleship groups. Um, so let me talk about the preaching schedule uh, for this coming year. Um, many of you have asked that we continue the Acts series. So we kind of laid it aside uh, late fall, I think November, and um, we're going to pick it back up um, starting here in a couple weeks. Um, but you'll know that the last few years we've taken, we've taken our series and then we've interrupted our series once a month, and we've gotten some good feedback from that, um, it kind of keeps a little bit of variety, and, uh, but still keeps us in that expository mold. So I'm going to preach a series that has helped me to understand the Old Testament. So in, in my mind, this is, this is the key that unlocks the Old Testament, and that is the covenants. As you go through the Old Testament, you will see some very important high mountain peaks. And these are the, these are the, this is the framework that really the entirety of the Old Testament hangs on, these covenants, these, these relationship promises that God makes to certain individuals or groups. All right, so we're going to actually preach a series. So each month, we're going to take up one of the Old Testament covenants and preach our way through that in the course of this year. And I'm looking forward to that, and I trust you are as well, as in addition to that, we travel through the book of of Acts, starting with the second half of Acts, right? Remember we said the Acts can be divided into two parts? So as we move into the next chapter, we move into this missions chapter. 
right, where the gospel really is not just centered in Jerusalem, but that the gospel begins to go out to, to all of the earth. Um, so we've hit Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now the rest of the book is the uttermost parts of the earth. Vacation Bible School is going to be, is going to be exciting this year. Right? So last year was our first year to have it at our own facility. This year is our first year to have it with a children's wing. So we now have more room. And so that's exciting as well. And I'm looking forward to really uh, ramping that up this, this next year um, as, we, as we move forward with uh, that opportunity for Vacation Bible School. The dates? Yeah, so we have a... Um, we have a year to glance that we will print off and put out here with kind of the important dates uh, for the year. But let me, do you know that off the top of your head, Leah? Um, the it's June, yep, 14th through 17th. There we go. June 14th through 17th. And um, we'll have We'll try to have those t for tonight out on the table, those year to glance, um, so that you can take those dates and put them in your calendar and that kind of thing. Good question. Thank you. Um, all right, so that leads me now to our theme for the year. I was listening to a podcast by Michael Hyatt. Anybody know who Michael Hyatt is? No relation to the hotels. He's kind of a guru in the area of management, organization, leadership, kind of one of those guys, you know, a business organization guy. Michael Hyatt was, was talking about goals and the importance of goals, and he said something interesting. He said in their organization, they only allow their employees to have three quarterly goals, no more. You know why? It provides clarity, right? You take all of these many, 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 many tasks that you have to do, and you set three project goals, like these overarching things. Now, there may be a lot of tasks that hang off of it. I've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and this to accomplish this goal. But I have three goals that I need to accomplish for this quarter. And if somebody says, well, I, I accomplish more goals than that. I want to do more. They say, do your three first. And then if you have extra time in the quarter, then you can have a backup goal. But that provides clarity. It provides, it forces you to distill down, okay, what are the important things? Well, we talk a lot about discipleship around here. And I think for some people, that, that can become a little overwhelming. Like, we've got the world to win, and we've got to disciple everybody. Well, let's shrink it down for a moment and, and think about what is God calling us to do this year. And so we've actually chosen the theme, one for this year. And what we mean by that is just do it one time, right? And so we've broken that down even uh, beyond that. So, so by God's grace, I want to, and I, and I trust this is your prayer as well, to reproduce myself at least one time. So, so where does that start? Well, discipleship starts with non-disciples. You've heard us say that before, right? So my first one is to win someone. So God, give me a person in my life that I can have a gospel conversation with, that I can build a redemptive relationship, that I can give the gospel to. One of them. 
I mean, does it sometimes seem overwhelming? Like, I've got to reach all my neighbors. I've got to reach all my friends. Well, ask God this year to just give you one. To win one person to Christ. And maybe it's not even a this year goal. Maybe it's, Lord, before, before I go home to heaven, I want to reproduce myself one time. And so the, the first prayer, the first goal, the first thing that we want to pursue this year is for each of us to win one. So who is your one? Who is that one that you are, are praying for, that you are having conversations with, right? So win one. And then lead one. This is discipleship, right? This is the fact that, that, that we are to be taking someone under our wing, and, and, and guiding them along, helping them in the faith, growing them by God's grace, right? So, and this could be actually the same person, right? If you win someone, it's naturally going to segue into leading them, discipling them, uh, continuing in the spiritual journey with them, right? So, win one, that's the idea of evangelism. Lead one, that's the idea of discipleship. And then follow one. Do you have somebody that you look up to as a spiritual mentor? And these, these middle two are really something that we've alluded to before in our church. We said that our prayer, our vision, is that everybody has someone that they are discipling, right? that they are, they are bringing along, but they also have someone that they're looking, for, looking ahead to, someone that they're grabbing onto as kind of their spiritual mentor. So as we are mentoring other people, we're not just a an inlet that, that people flow into, but we're also an outlet that we're flowing to other people. It, it works both ways. So pray, seek, strive for uh, that one that you can follow, one that can mentor you, that one that can disciple you spiritually. I'm excited to see this burden growing in our church to see more and more of you engaging in the notion of discipling others, being discipled by people. Even last week, I walked into the auditorium and I heard uh, a believer tell a younger believer, ask him about getting together on a regular basis. I'm like, yeah, I like that. Right? Because it's, it's this philosophy of discipling others, um, pouring ourselves into others, life-touching life. So win one, lead one. Follow one. Those are individual goals. Those are individual pursuits. So as you think about those, take, take some inventory. Okay, am I, am I striving to win one person, just one person to Jesus? Whom am I leading? Whom am I discipling? Who am I instructing and helping and encouraging and praying for? Whom am I following? Who is my spiritual mentor? Who's the one that I can, I can ask questions of, that I can seek direction from? Those are individual goals that I hope every one of you embrace as your own. And then we have one corporate goal, and that is to send one. So let me tell you about this. We would like, in the next decade, it's got to be one because that's the theme. So it's not 10 years, it's the next decade. One decade to send one person as a gospel ambassador from our church. 
So I hope you'll join me in this prayer that God uses our church to send a missionary or a church planter into ministry as a, as a representative of the gospel in a place that, doesn't, that, that needs the gospel. So that's kind of a corporate goal within the next decade for our church to send someone into gospel ministry. Um, I told you a couple years ago, I don't know if you remember or not, but that actually is a personal goal of mine too, and I'm putting it before our church as our goal um, to, to, to bring someone in ministry, and particularly um, a, a missionary, a, a church planter, someone who is, is on the front lines of gospel ministry uh, in a place that has, has a need. So those are those are our themes for this year. Now, I'm not. Next week, we're going to be talking about the parable of the lost sheep, and, and the importance of that one. And so, we'll be developing this a little bit more. But that's our theme for the year. You'll see it on our slides. You'll see it uh, in our uh, on our banners up here. That'll be a constant reminder. So, win one. Who are you going to win this year? Who's your one? Lead one. Who are you leading? Who are you discipling? Follow one who is your spiritual mentor. And then as a church, pray together about how God would use us for gospel ministry and particularly to send someone as an ambassador of the gospel to a place that needs it, a missionary or church planter uh, to a place that has a need. So those are the things that are ahead for our, our year. I hope you'll be looking. I hope you'll be thinking. I hope you'll be, be praying about who your one is, because they could come across your path at any time, right? It, it, could be, it could be as random as, you know, you're walking down the sidewalk to the Baca Center and you almost run into a guy named Bob because you're, you're texting on your phone, right? But, but that, that might be a divine appointment, right? And so you, you strike up a conversation with that person at work, with that neighbor, with the person you run into on the sidewalk and and, and God's already doing something in their heart, and you're participating in the ministry that, that God is doing. In fact, that's probably where you're going to find this one. Be alert to it in the day-to-day -day, -day life. I'm curious. I'm curious thinking about this. I think I already know the answer. But um, who, who came to North Hills Baptist through an outreach a formal outreach ministry of the church. So like a um, phones for you, you got a call. That was, a, you didn't? Door hanger. That would be another example of kind of an advertising broadcast outreach. You came to the first service, right? And that was what, from a phone call? Phone call. All right. So anybody else? How'd you find out about the church? Okay, well, that's just unique. I don't know what category to put that under. I went to two of them, and guess what? The third one was the water leader. Okay, so the rest of you, if I'm thinking through most of you, the rest of you came from a personal invitation of someone in the congregation. Any exceptions to that? So you started with you, and then you're like invited like half the church. Right, so many of you are personal relationships with, with Esther, personal relationship, personal relationship with Wolsifers, right? Personal relationship, I guess, with us. <laughs>
personal relationship. It, you get my point, Bob? I ran into him on the sidewalk. We met. We struck up a conversation. Now he was he was easy reeling, but it was still you know somebody I met in my day to day my day to day walk, right? So. So I, I, I want to challenge you to be thinking as you go throughout your week, as you go throughout your life, that God's probably going to use a, a relationship, and uh, that's going to be your one. So be alert to that, be praying, be asking God to send you that person, and uh, really make 2020 the year that you do it one time. You reproduce yourself one time. Does that kind of dial down the... the uh, the expectation, you know, it's like, well, I got to win the world. No, no, you don't. Just do it once. Just do it once. Just uh, win one person. What's that? One world to win. One world. But you know how you know how you eat the elephant, one bite at a time, and that's the way we win the world. I really believe that. So, all right. I don't usually take questions or comments at the end. Questions, comments, thoughts, concerns. All right. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. For your goodness to us, we thank you that you allow us to participate in the ministry. And I pray that you would use us this year to, to reach one person, to win them to Christ, to disciple them. Uh, I pray that you would use others in our lives as they pour into us. And then I pray that as a church, you would allow us to be um, an agent of change, an agent of the Gospels, to send someone to another place that... Um, can represent the gospel in a place where there's a need. Um, Be with us even this year. We pray that you would bless this year and use it in our lives. We pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. All right, our ushers are coming to wait on us.